Welcome to another edition of the Super Flight Podcast, your Mark Dion of NBA podcasts, because stuffed dead animals are really creepy, but can be cool. Uh, what's up, everybody? It's your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from my studio in Brooklyn, New York. It is Wednesday, December 5th, 2018. Um, and you can get in touch with the show in a number of ways. You can tweet at the show at Super Flight Pod. You can tweet at me at Joe Borelli. You can email the show at the superflightpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow along on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Radio Addict, Podcast, something. I love iHeartRadio. I don't know, man. There's, leave me alone. There's too many of them. Everywhere. You can find it everywhere. And you can go to the Almighty Baller Network and find it there as well. And there's a bunch of other great podcasts on the network. Um, so go check them out. You can also find me on the DunkTales podcast weekly with James Holis, where we go back and forth about which team is better, the Sixers or the Boston Celtics. It's always the Sixers, just so you know. But I have an appreciation for both. Um, And it's more than that. We talk about all the teams. Anyway, uh, and then, yeah, if you want to be my best friend, then just send me money and um, give me your phone number and I'll call you and we'll just talk all day long and and you can support my uh, podcast habit. How's that? Sound good? Good. Deal. All right. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Um, anyway, what else is new? So I don't know if you guys picked up on... Also, first, let me apologize. Last week, I was supposed to do a um, Twitter question only uh, episode, um, and Timothy Butcher was going to come on, and he was going to read the questions, and I was going to answer them. I was probably going to ask him some questions, too. Unfortunately, because he lives in Australia and I live here, we couldn't really get the times to line up um and you know there was a couple nights where i've been job hunting and interviewing so um i've been kind of paying more attention to that than this so life is in a little bit of flux right now so there you go i i'm sorry i didn't do one last week i'm sorry i let you all down um but you know what maybe i'll try and do two this week we'll see we shall see uh in the meantime what story time do i have a story for you i don't even know i'm like who knows? Who knows what's going on with me? You know, the thing about not having a job, it's it's weird. Like, you think you're going to be, when you're working full-time and you, you're you constantly rushing around trying to get things done, you never have enough time in the day. You're like, man, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. When I, have, when I have a little bit of free time this weekend, I'm going to get so much done. And, you know, on occasion, that actually can happen. I'm There are times, you know, when... You have a really busy work week, and somehow when I was working 12 hours every day, I would still find time to make time for this podcast and another one, and, you know, for both of the podcasts, and uh, and guests on occasion, too. It was exhausting, and it was a lot of work, but it's also really super, like, kind of fulfilling and uh, exciting, and I really enjoyed doing it. Um Having no job though, you think that like I'm gonna get so much done. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it on this. I'm gonna put up this bookshelf and I'm gonna clean the house. Which I did today, by the way. Just so everybody knows, I swept them off the floors, cleaned the bathroom, and didn't get to the dishes yet. But I'll get there. I made lunch. Um, when you have all the time in the world, it seems like there's not really that much time. So I get very little done. I'm I mean I'm, I'm spending a lot of effort trying to find a new job, but other than that, it's like. Man, you, it's always, I guess the grass is really just always greener on the other side, isn't it? You, when you're in school as a kid, you're like, I can't wait to get out of school. I want to be a grown up. But then you realize that like you actually have to go to work. 
So <laughs> that sucks. When you have a job that you just don't like, you're like, I can't wait to leave this job because it sucks and I want to get paid more and I want to have people who, you know, uh, think like I do and respect me. And you leave that job and then you're like, wow, what the, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> maybe it's not all that great, but it's fine. Uh, I'm in a good place mentally. I'm in a better place emotionally. Um, and financially, I'm, we'll be all right for now. So that's just the update in case you were all worrying about me. Don't worry about me. It's fine. Even though it is Christmas time. I'm not buying any of you presents. I'm just saying, no, don't, don't expect them. Um, also, I have an idea to uh, put out the shirts again. So if anybody wants a Superflight shirt, tweet at me, uh, and I will make them available again online um, or email me, whatever. I would really appreciate it. So you can have a shirt and we can spread the the gospel of the flight that's what we're going to call it the super flight gospel i don't know whatever um yeah that's about all the housekeeping this is gonna be a really short episode i can't think of a really good story to tell you guys uh so other than my short opening ramble which is just middle story because i only do middle stories um i don't really have much so tonight, Max Rappaport is coming on, and for all of you who are not Sixers fans, this is a Sixers-only podcast. I'm sorry. I tried to We tried to mix in some other things. There just wasn't enough time. I was going to talk about the Bulls firing Hoiberg. If you want my thoughts really quickly, I will say that, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about how he never really had the right roster. He was brought in here when they had Noah, and they had Rose, and they had, you know, all those guys. Um, they weren't a spread amount offense like he was brought in here to do. They lost those guys. They put a crappy roster around him, and it would be an excuse for him to uh, say that, you know, hey, I, you know, his tenure was marred by the fact that he didn't have the proper pieces in place. At the same time, clearly the man just never really had control of the team. He never put his imprint on the team. Nothing about this you could say was a Fred Hoiberg team, right? So I think that's what he was brought in here to do. He didn't do it. I don't understand the firing right now when you're clearly just trying to tank anyway and trying to get a really high draft pick since they're notoriously cheap. I don't understand why they let him go since they still have to pay for him, but maybe they really thought that Jim Boylan is the guy to move them forward. And they really like his uh, basketball acumen as a coach. And they played really well last night. Um, They ultimately lost, but they played a really good team uh, in Indiana. So, you know, like it's, there's no, no shame in losing that one, but I would expect to see them turn around. I, I at least a little bit. You know, you get that coach just got fired bump. Um, so I expect them to win a couple more games. We'll see. Maybe Jim Boylan is actually good. Uh, I don't know if it was a raw deal. He still gets paid for the rest of the year. It's surprising that they're paying him the rest of the year instead of just letting him write out the contract. I think they're just saving face. I think the the front office is a mess, and they've made some really bad moves. But whatever. I I do better when I can talk to it talk it out with somebody else so that's my thoughts on that quick we were also going to touch on a couple other things but whatever this is just so you know this is going to be the super flight sixers podcast tonight and i am unabashedly putting it out there it's i i don't care uh we talk all about markel faults about the the injury to his nervous system underneath his collarbone i forget what it's called tos um so max and i max was kind enough to join me and 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 chat it out, hash it out with me. We talk about Jimmy Butler's fit on this team, where they go moving forward, how they're going to be poised for the playoffs, and what they're going to do to, you know, solidify their roster before the end of the season. Also, we ch- chatted a little bit about this game, so I want to get this out really quickly so that you see, hear my thoughts and, and Max's thoughts about the game before the game. 
even though you'll probably hear it tomorrow. Whatever. You can listen to it in hindsight something. I don't know. In any case, after this brief musical interlude, we'll be right back. All right. Max Rappaport, welcome to the Super Flight. Again, welcome back. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, as always, why don't you just tell everybody where they can find you and follow you on Twitter and stuff before we get going? Sure. So I'm uh, at Max on Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, that's my handle, uh, at Max on Twitter, and that is on Twitter that you can find me. Uh, the Stepover podcast is the podcast I do. Uh, that's at the underscore Stepover. And we also do t-shirts, mostly Sixers-related t-shirts on that same handle. Nice. I think I may have bought one of your t-shirts. I don't remember. I, I have like this collection of like mostly uh, rights to Ricky Sanchez t-shirts. I shouldn't be mm-hmm. plugging them here, but I, I end up doing it somehow every time. Uh, <laughs> and just like various friends who have basketball podcasts. I have like a whole drawer full of, of random t-shirts. Yeah. So I probably have one of yours in there somewhere. Nice. Yeah. You know, I try and support when I can. Especially if it's for like, because I've done it a few times too, where I um, put mine up for sale and I donated all the profit to charity. Mm-hmm. Like when the, I think it was for uh, the Puerto, Puerto Rico Relief Fund, I mm-hmm. did that. And I think there was for the hurricane in Houston. I think I did it again or before. Anyway, yeah. What am I talking about? How are you? <laughs> I, I'm doing well. <laughs> Good, good. Do you want to talk about some basketball specifically? Yeah, so, do you want to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah, let's talk Go ahead. Sixers. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, let's talk Sixers. Whatever you were going to you know, call the Sixers, Sixers. Let's, let's, let's talk about them. Yeah, all right, that thing. Um, so, you know, I had planned on having you on, like, what, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Before the Mark Helfoltz news came out. But I'm glad it happened yesterday because now we can talk all about that because I'm sure everyone wants to hear all about it. So... He was diagnosed now with, hold on, let me see. This is called, I, I, I had it written down so I could easily recite it. Uh, thoracic outlet syndrome? Is that, does that sound right to that you? That sounds right. Uh, maybe it's like, it's like Sarich. Maybe it's like uh, yeah. Thoracich. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Too. I was like, how do I pronounce this? Thoracic? Thoracic? I don't know. It's probably Anyways, thoracic, t- I think. Probably thoracic, right? I mean, we're Americans. We we butcher every language. So. <laughs> um, TOS, I guess, is what they're calling it. So it's it's apparently when there's a group of nerves between your collarbone and your first rib uh, that can get pinched, and which will cause you pain. I guess it'll cause you pain. It'll cause you maybe numbing in your fingers. Actually, there's a really good piece. I don't know if you subscribe to um, the... Uh, uh, Tom Ziller, the SB Nation mm-hmm. emails, yeah. but he wrote about how there's a really good piece from Jeff Stotts on InStreetClothes.com uh, about the whole thing. He, they, he does a really good job of breaking it down if anybody wants to go check it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit weird. Like I, on one hand, I'm wondering like his people must have done a really, I, I mean, like who would ever know about something like this, right? It seems like a really random, weird sort of injury that only happens really to baseball players or happens primarily to baseball players. I don't think this has been recorded as a NBA thing yet. Um, but, you know, the timing of it seemed a little suspicious. Like he was back, he was playing. And then then at one game when he got benched for Mark, for uh, TJ, 
right away it was, oh, he's he's not healthy. He's going to go see a specialist again. So I think the timing is a bit weird. I don't know whether to distrust his camp because they've handled this so badly. Um, and it seems a little convenient that all of a sudden now, after a year and some, that they've found what's really wrong with him. But I, I don't want to be distrustful of this, and I'm hoping this is actually the thing, but I'm I'm like, I'm thinking, do you think we should be a little skeptical of this diagnosis, or, do you, or are, you, are you feeling more positive about it? I mean, I guess I have a lot of feelings about it. I, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit skeptical, right? Like, the timing is suspicious, although at the same time, you might argue the four, five, six or so games before that benching... Uh, he had gone from like steadily making progress. There was a game, I think it was against the Hawks, uh, where he like pulled up from three. It was like the most fluid uh, shot I, I feel like I'd, I'd seen him take from outside mm-hmm. in the NBA. Uh, and then all of a sudden it kind of shifted and he just stopped doing that entirely. And it looked like the end of last year. So I guess you could argue also that it had already kind of taken effect like this, this change or this setback or whatever it is, or the symptoms just getting worse kind of happened before the benching, the benching happens, and then they're like, okay, we got to do something about this. So I guess it's a combination of that. I, I don't fully believe that it was just like his camp pissed off that he was benched for TJ McConnell and is like using this almost the way like Nerland Snowell did with his like quote unquote mm-hmm. knee thing uh, a couple years ago. But I, I think it's somewhere in between, right? I think like they knew there was something going wrong. You could see that there was something wrong. And now they're taking this opportunity since he's been they probably would have like really seen his minutes decrease uh, at that point. Like, let's just take a break and figure this out. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's, you know, that there really probably is a lot more nuance in it, as you're mentioning, than like we all usually tend to tend to think or tend to believe like, oh, no, it happened. This is thing A happens. So thing B definitely is a result of that. Like he, you know, his camp is upset because he got benched. So but it's really more like probably what you're saying, like he probably has been uncomfortable. And you're right. He absolutely regressed. It was like the start to start the season. He came out. He he at least was attempting threes and he hit two of them, I think. Um, and his shot was looking a lot better. And then, you know, as the weeks went on that, that, I mean, it, I guess it culminated in that, that crazy free throw where mm-hmm. it was double clutched or double pumped. I, I mean, he, he said that he, you know, it slipped out of his hand and which I guess it's kind of a believable, uh, but not really if you see him do it. And then, and then he was like, for me, I actually kind of liked when he started like juggling the ball going up to shoot. So at least it was for me, I thought it was sort of like um, not a mnemonic device, but something to help you try and get over that. Like yeah. if it was the yips, keep it moving, keep it, keep your body moving, keep it going. And and that seemed like sort of a smart way to tackle that issue. Um, he got criticized for it so badly. I feel so bad for that kid, man. Um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, it, the crazy thing was like, for me, I, I was really encouraged by his defense the way it was coming around he really started to seem like he was he was starting to pick up the schemes he started to you know he was seemed like he was starting to really figure it out on at least on the defensive end and he wasn't like driving in the lane spinning around and getting blocked every time a la evan turner um but <laughs> so it, there were some encouraging signs for sure but you can see the difference now with him not playing as opposed to when he was playing the floor is much much more open and the offense is chugging but it's I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit worried about what what happens from here. In a, in a in one way, like this if this is an actual injury and I'm hoping this is the thing and it can be cured and it seems like it's going to be 3 to 6 weeks for rehab is what they're saying, but there's also a chance it could require surgery. 
Um, given the Sixers history with injuries and their coat, their, uh, medical staff, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think the prognosis is and how, how long do you think it'll be till he comes back? Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea. I think the three, the three week thing on the, on the lower end of that three to six weeks, I, I find that to be really unlikely, right? If this, if this is what it is, this, the ratchet, uh, outlet syndrome, <laughs> Uh, I'm not a doctor, but he's been dealing with with this, like you said, for over a year now. Um, right. The idea that they would figure this out and then he would do rehab for like three weeks and be fine. That seems really hard for me to believe. Now, I don't know anything about rehab. I don't know anything about the human body. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. <laughs> but um, it, that just seems hard for me to imagine because I, I would think that regardless of what the cause is, uh, he's been doing that kind of like, I mean, when they thought it was the scapular imbalance or, or whatever, mm-hmm. like I would have to imagine some of those things, the things he was having trouble with and the, the, the muscles they were trying to build up would also be that similar, at least to the things that you would do for this uh, thoracic uh, outlet issue, you know, like if, right, right. So you would think that that would have at least had some positive effect and it didn't really seemingly uh, have much of an effect on his ability to, shoot the ball so i i guess i i have a hard time imagining it's gonna be that brief maybe two months from now maybe six weeks i feel like the more likely thing is this kind of drags on and you know i'm, I'm actually kind of hoping um you know i said this i said this to my better half jim adair on the step over uh after i guess it was right after the uh uh raymond brothers put out the statement as his lawyer, you know, saying that he wasn't going to practice or play anymore. And, and I basically, mm-hmm. and he was going to get reevaluated. I, I basically said like, you know, in the same way that whenever I go to the doctor and there's some symptom that I have, whether it's like, I'm feeling really tired recently, or I've been gaining weight and it's not really explainable. Like, I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always hoping they're gonna be like, oh yeah, you're like, your thyroid's messed up. Like, just take this pill <laughs> and it'll like, you'll feel better and you're going to lose some weight. Like, that would be awesome. Like, I wish they right. would just tell me that. Or like, oh, my ankle's been like bad ever since I broke my, like my ankle as a kid. And it's like, basically they're like, yeah, it's just, it's just like that. That's like, your ankle sucks. Like, it, it, you know, I, w- I want them to be like, oh, yeah, like, just do this. Like, uh, go to a chiropractor, you know, every other week and it'll be good. Right, right. And they don't say it'll that. It'll be fine. And, yeah. And, yeah. like, so I'm, I'm kind of hoping in, in some ways, and I, I, I would feel like Fultz would hope this, too, that, like, whether it's this rehab or there's some surgery or whatever it is, like, that there is a way to fix this problem. Um, because I, I think the the silver lining, if there is one, of Markel Fultz being such a magnificent bust to this point is that like i would rather this is like the greg odin uh realm of of bust uh, which obviously the other side of that is joel Embiid, right like for Mm -hmm. every joel Embiid, there's a greg odin i feel like for every julius randall like a guy who struggles in the beginning and then comes around and becomes a better player in the future uh there are like 10 anthony bennett's so i'd i'm like happy that um if he's going to be this bad early on there is maybe like a medical reason that would explain that, that like theoretically that could be fixed and then he could come back and be close to what he was before versus him just coming in and, and just sucking like for, no, yeah. for inexplicably. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. I was, I was basically all <laughs> yeah, yeah. say. I mean, <laughs> no, but to touch on what you said too, like, I guess if, because no, I, w- I was having the exact same thought and I think everybody was having the same thought. Like, wasn't he already rehabbing this shoulder? Don't you think some of that rehab at least would, would 
be involved with some of the same muscles, you know, at very least. But I guess if you're actually trying to rehab the wrong thing, it could actually make things worse or prolong, you know, the injury overall. If you're if you're really honing in and pinpointing on what is wrong, I suppose you could really get the the timeline down to. I mean, we all know it's not going to be three weeks. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks, and then another two months later, he might be ready to play because this is how it works for the Sixers. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit weird. I I'm I guess I'm cautiously optimistic and. I guess I'm a sucker too because <laughs> I keep wanting there to be a real reason. Like I like you and like everyone else. I do want him to be good. I don't want that that draft pick and that and that trade up to be for nothing. And not only that, like I I feel somewhat invested in him as a person. You know, like I can imagine what it's like to be a twenty year twenty year old kid with this kind of magnus like magnifying glass on you and your shortcomings are just being so highlighted for the entire country to watch, right? So I'm I'm definitely in his corner. I want him to figure it out. I, I hope this is the thing, and I'm rooting for him. The other thing about it is, uh, you know, the other aspect is, it, does this actually reset the clock on the relationship between the Sixers and Markel Fultz? Because it seemed to this point, because they were so blindsided, like everyone talks about Elton Brand in that in that press conference when he was just like at a loss of words, I suppose. Um, for what was happening. And he's like, you know, the whole thing about what, you know, he's a professional basketball player. You don't think he could get the thing moved up to before Monday, but okay. Um, I, and I think there was just a really bitter taste in the Sixers mouth as an organization because they, you know, this has been handled so poorly. Do you think that if this is really like, this is the diagnosis, they can prove that this is the thing. This is really causing him the struggle. And if he can start to bring it around, does this reset the clock on the relationship and can they actually move forward? Because I think to this point, people were saying that he's definitely going to be traded. Well, I think the way this resets it is uh, that if he had gone and gotten these tests and they'd come back with really nothing um, and he had gone and been evaluated and basically they're like, yep, you guys just got to play through it and like keep working on stuff. He would have come back and and maybe been playing now, maybe been benched. and, And I just feel like, uh, given that he is such an unknown right now that he's coming back with like maybe an injury that's like uh, you know uh, difficult to heal and ambiguous and whatnot I, I feel like he's untradeable and I feel mm-hmm. like this gives it this gives the sixers a chance to like wait it out see if he can get right and kind of do what they did last year and like I'm, I'm kind of resigned to the idea that he won't play again this year. And maybe he will, but I'm kind of resigned to the possibility or at least the decent chance that that's the way it goes. And if that's the case, I think you just hold on to him. The the, the route there, the, the scenario in which you don't do that is you get into free agency and, and you're in a position to sign a max guy or you're in a position to like really use your cap space on guys you think will be helpful for you. And he's making nine and a half or ten million dollars next year because he was the number one overall pick and because he's going into his third year. Uh, so that's the scenario where maybe you move him in July once you have something else lined up. Other mm-hmm. than that, I think you just have to hold on to him um, and have to have to see it through. It's the same thing with Embiid. Like if you had traded Embiid, um, you know, after his second foot surgery, like you wouldn't, you would have gotten maybe a protected, like lottery protected pick from a playoff team, you know, right. maybe probably not even that. Like it's just, it's not worth it. Like the, the potential payoff is way greater than whatever you'd get in a trade. So I just want to wait it out. Like I said, the one scenario would be the, the free agent one where you'd maybe move up that timeline a little bit. 
Right. No, but I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, in a weird way, this is kind of lucky because it allows them to do that. It allows them, it gives them the, the agency to say, no, listen, he's really injured. Uh, we do need to take our time with him and we can, you know, start over again. I, I'm with you. I don't, by the way, if Embiid had been traded, can you imagine what a dark timeline that would be? Oh my God. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> serious. Um, but as far as faults goes, you know, like, so this allows them to bring him back slowly. I totally agree with you. I don't expect to see him again, at least anytime soon. Um, and there's also the idea that, like, okay, if he does rehab and he does really start to show signs of progress and he looks like that player that we thought everyone, you know, we, we were going to see, then you have to reincorporate him into the offense and the defense again. And we saw how it worked with Ben. I mean, obviously, when he if he's healthy enough to come back, he's going to be coming off the bench. He's going to be asked to be running that second unit. There would be no sense in putting him back in the starting lineup. But you'd have to work him back into the system again. And I, at that point, like, you're getting close to the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, I think they could do it with the second unit and, and let him go from there. I don't think it would be that big of a deal. And But you're right. But I think before, you know, before this diagnosis came out i think they were really looking to just package him with anything and get mm-hmm. him out of here because it seemed like he needed a change and they needed a change and it was just like a bad taste in everyone's mouth so the optimist in me which is very very minor part of me uh is, is actually happy about this and I'm, I'm happy he's been diagnosed hopefully it's the correct diagnosis now and he can get healthy um the pessimist in me always is thinking that, like, yeah, you know, there's something else that's going to happen. He's going to he's going to have a food allergy and have to have surgery and <laughs> he'll break a foot. And it's just I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful for the guy. But aside from Markel Fultz, the Sixers, they're playing um, the Raptors tonight. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about this. It's, my, it's kind of a big game. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. And they, yeah, a little bit. They've been playing really well lately. Um the Sixers, that is. They, I guess they won their last three games by an average of 15 points or something. They finally got two games back-to-back that were relatively easy wins, which was, I mean, up until this point this season, it's been just grueling. I've expected them to lose every single game by, like, a point. It's It's been that close. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy Butler has really been sort of the difference uh, in this team. What do you think of his fit on this team so far? And what would you like to see going forward? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I feel like I was uh, one of the more outspoken anti—not anti-Jimmy Butler. I think he's a good player, but before the trade, I was I was someone who did not want to make a deal for Jimmy Butler because I thought the fit wasn't there. Like I just—I mm-hmm. uh, I think I did one thing that was I discounted his uh, his outside shot, which has been really good this year, and 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 even like last year. Um, he's like, I, I guess he's changed his game in, in a way that I didn't really appreciate or acknowledge. Like he's shooting 45% from three on, on three threes a game with the Sixers in 10 games, which is a small sample size. But like, I think I was looking back at historically Jimmy Butler, you know, um, yeah, like I a, think he's like 37 or 38% overall or something like that. Right. He's like for his career, he's 30. I'm looking at it right now. He's 34% on his career. So like, oh, Wow. Yeah, it's low. And, and for a while, yeah. for, from like, you know, those four years he made all-star games, you know, from 2014 to 2018, he was shooting like, I'm pulling it up right now, uh, 35% from three. And that's kind of, oh, not that many attempts on three uh, a game. And, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of thought that's who he was. Um, last year he shot 38%. The year before that he shot 40 Uh This year he's shooting 
uh, or no, I'm sorry. He's shooting 40 on the year. He shot 35% last year. Like he's had a a jump. And I think at the end of last season too, with Minnesota, he, he shot well from three. I, I think, for me, I, I, uh, I'm getting two in the weeds with the three-point shooting. But I, I think, for me, I, I thought with Fultz on the floor, and I was, I think at the time, this is especially early in the year, imagining Fultz would be part of the team. With Fultz and Simmons, I was thinking that um, bringing in another guy whose outside shot is not a strength uh, was just, like, too much, right? And, and just wasn't going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, one, the fact that he's been able to hit down, knock down open threes uh, and even contested threes and game winners for the Sixers, but also that... Uh, without Fultz, you really don't have anyone who can create their own shot. And I think they really needed that. And I think Butler's giving them a lot of what you were hoping Fultz was going to give when you drafted him. Um, and I think now that I've kind of accepted that that I'm not considering Fultz uh, any kind of part of the future in terms of how I think about construction of the team, I've, like, I'm pretty in on, on Jimmy Butler moving forward. I, I think he's someone they ha- they really have to bring back next season. Um I, I was worried about the money. Like, I, you know, he's he's due to make something like five years, 190 million. He's yeah, getting up there in it's age. He's going to be 30 <laughs> next year. Yeah, it's a lot of money. And I, I think, but I think at this point, um, he's shown that he is one that his games evolved to a point where it does it can work with Ben Simmons uh, mm-hmm. and Embiid. And I, and I think too, he's uh, getting rid of Covington. I, I think being able to replace his defense with with Jimmy Butler's, uh, it hasn't been a, a significant drop off, or it's been a, basically a wash. I feel like, uh, so I, I feel like that's been really huge because there aren't a lot of guys, a lot of stars in the league who you can put in that position and get the kind of defense you were getting from Robert Covington. So, I guess I'm feeling more uh, confident in that that three man tandem moving forward, partially because of Jimmy Butler's uh, growth, but also I just think it's. Uh, I think it's just it's it's looked really good in the ten games he's played. Absolutely, I you know I gotta be honest, I'm I'm sort of in that camp a little bit too. Like I had a feeling that Jimmy Butler would be the guy that that would be traded for, and I didn't hate his fit with this team as much as I hated someone like LeBron. Although you know if LeBron came to Philly, I mean you would you'd still love it. It's still LeBron, but my my concern was more about his attitude and because you know. The way he got along in Chicago, the way he got, the way he left in Minnesota, which it just was not a good situation. He it seemed like he was just burning bridges just to get out of there, and he didn't really care. So I was concerned about that. Um, you know, everyone talks about Jimmy Butler, at least on the Sixers, about him being a great teammate. He's a great guy, and it seems like he's his real qualm was with the fact that. The guys didn't want to play hard. And, you know, Butler's a stickler for things like that. He's, he's been saying it for years and years. Um, all he wants to do is is play hard and win. And he's not going to have that problem on the Sixers, man, because, like, Embiid and, and Simmons are both driven like crazy to win. And, you know, J.J. Redick and T.J., man. T.J. is like, what did he say about T.J.? He, he, he's like, that motherfucker picks up full court, something like He loves yeah. the guys. So it's a it seems to be a great relationship so far. But, you know, Every relationship starts out great. Um, so let's hope this one keeps going. I, I too, was a little bit concerned about, yeah, he's 29 now. He's going to be 30 shortly. I'm not sure when. Um, before the start of next season. And they're going to have to pay him a ton of money. I'm hoping maybe he'll take somewhat of a discount. Um, and they'll be able to, you know, grow grow around the guy as he's aging. Um, but it seems, man, the thing I didn't 
think about the thing that I didn't really I didn't really notice when I'd watched Jimmy Butler before is he is clutch as fuck when yeah. the game is on the line. I had no idea he was that clutch. He's like Kyrie Irving level clutch. Those two shots were insane. And that's exactly what this team was missing. Somebody that's willing to take those shots and can hit them and does not flinch in the moment. Um, I love Robert Covington. I love Dario Sarge. I now watch the Minnesota Timberwolves way more than I should. I, I like I'm big fans of those guys. I loved when they were here. I loved everything that that Covington brought on defense. And I still think overall Covington's defense is a bit better than than Jimmy Butler. Maybe not on ball so much, but as an overall defender. Um, I think he's just, I mean, his hands are so fast. Anyways, this is not about Robert Covington, but, uh, but Jimmy Butler brings that, that thing. And he does, he is because he can drive as well. He is a bit better of a fit than Robert Covington and Dario. Like, you know, as much as we love Dario, um, I, I was struggling to see where he was going to fit on this team as well. So I think the trade actually has worked out really well for both teams. Have you watched any Minnesota since? They've been traded? Yeah, I have. Uh, I agree. I think it's worked out really well for both teams. Um, and I, I think, I think too, like, I expected to miss... Uh, I think I probably missed Dario a little bit more than Covington just because I think they're missing right now what Dario did more than they're missing what Covington did uh, just because mm-hmm. they have Jimmy Butler. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's worked out really well, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised how much or how little I've felt a, a, a longing for... Uh, for for them i think partially just because butler's come in and um filled been so void in your heart. Away. yeah yeah he's filled yeah. he's filled <laughs> the void i do th- i yeah. do think it, having charit would be really nice right now like having yeah. i think f- four is the obviously the weak the weak point on the team and i think um i'm interested to see what they do at the deadline and the buyout market because uh, I, I think that's a big void and something they're gonna have to address in free agency uh next year but i think the fact that you've been able to replace covington with with uh butler is is great because you know like i said there aren't a lot of guys who can do that and butler's one of a handful yeah i'm actually in the other camp like i i love dario but and he does you know do things like he really fights for offensive boards and, and he can hit threes when they really matter uh or at least he has been lately um but imagine Covington's defense on this team. And you could put him at the four, and it would be... I think he That's plays true. better at the four anyway than he does at the three. So imagine having Covington still on this team, man. That that defense... Oh, man, it would be sick. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I had another question about this, and I just started, <laughs> just started daydreaming about having Robert Covington back on the team. Oh, the heart wants what the heart wants. Anyway, um, are you going to watch the game tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a silly question. What are you What are you hoping to see? I mean, do you give me a give me your guess about how this is game This game is going to go because the last time they played uh, Toronto, they really got just mopped up off the floor. If that's even a phrase, I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. They <laughs> they, uh, they they did not look good. And since since Toronto is coming off a really really close loss to uh, uh, the Nuggets the other night, man. I'm I'm a little bit concerned about this game, but Sixers have been playing well. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, it's one of those things where you you wish that uh, that a game like that goes into overtime and that they win, right? Like mm-hmm. y- you hate uh, playing a team that's that's as good and has and is as hot as the the Raptors are right now. Like playing playing them coming off a loss is not ideal, especially at home. Um, yeah, I, I'm not super hopeful. I mean, Toronto's been awesome. Uh, the last month or so, uh, I mean, really all all season. But um, 
I'm not super hopeful, but I also I, I think this will be more interesting because you have Jimmy Butler. I think this will be a, a better like barometer of where the Sixers are at uh, mm-hmm. than obviously earlier in the year. And I think even recently, like the games the Sixers have played, if you look back at their last 10, 11, 12 games, uh, you look at the opponents, it's the Grizzlies a couple times, it's the Wizards, uh, the Cavs, the Nets, the Knicks, the Pelicans, uh, the Suns, the Hornets, right? Like the Jazz are, are maybe the one team in there that you would feel like uh, this is this is at least some kind of barometer of where where they stand um, against playoff teams, and that's really the o- the only games that Jimmy Butler's played to this point with the Sixers. Like they have not played a team that you expect either in the West or East is going to contend for anything past the first round. Um, other than maybe the Jazz, so I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really interested because I, I think this will be a, a much better test of what the uh, post Butler trade Sixers are. Yeah, I would what, totally agree. I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I um I think that they match up. They're starting units. I mean, they'll be fine. It's it's when you get into the depth, man. The the Raptors just have so many more guys to throw at you than the Sixers do, and that's of course been their problem the whole season, really. I mean, like TJ's great. He can't shoot for shit. Landry Shamit has been a vision, but his defense is fucking awful. So like mm-hmm. you're you're very limited with the, and Mike Muscala, like his 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 nickname Moose is the best thing about him. I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> stand watching him play. Yeah. <laughs> uh they really need to find a replace for for him as soon as they possibly can. Um that's just my personal opinion, but I mean, he's been he's been playing okay. He's he's hit a couple timely threes, and he's had a couple of nice blocks. And you know, he he does what they ask him to do. It's just he's such a limited yeah. player that it's it's he's he's not going to cut it when it comes to playoff time. Nemanja Bjelica would be really nice right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> he would. He would. Um, so yeah. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I, what's your what's your prediction? You think the Raptors are going to win it? I think they'll win it. I, I think it'll be close, though. I, I think it'll be a game. I think the starters will will be playing with three or four minutes left in the fourth. I'll put it that way. Like, I don't think this is going to be a blowout where you're you're the game's going to be over uh, early in the fourth quarter or anything like that. I totally agree, and I also don't think that we should worry too much about them losing tonight if they do, because like. I still don't think this team is done. I think there's going to be more moves coming down the pike way before, you know, playoff time gets here. I don't know what those will be. I have no idea, but I, I don't think this roster is set. I, I totally agree. I, I think that's like kind of the the uh, the lens I'm looking at the next two and a half months, like basically until you get, I guess, two months until you get to the deadline, uh, kind mm-hmm. of the way I'm looking at things, because I think it's going to be really similar and maybe even more uh, extreme than last year was. Uh, the the difference between the pre and post deadline slash buyout Sixers, like I think they're going to do what they did last year. They have uh, some exceptions they can use. They have they still have the or trade exceptions. They still have the mid level exception to use on someone who gets bought out or, or someone who's mm-hmm. out there. Uh, I think there'll be buyers. Uh, in terms of like Trevor Ariza or any of these other players on teams that are by that point going to be completely out of it, or like the Suns who are completely out of it already, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think I think they have some 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 things of value to give up. They have uh, some some room to maneuver uh, and try to make some moves, especially in the buyout market. And I, my hope is that they they're able to pick up at least like at least a couple guys. One hopefully who's like a real part of the rotation plays like in the 15 20 minute range similar to a Bellinelli 
and then maybe right. one other guy who can just like at least give him some depth in case of injury. Like I think their their depth in the front court's really weak right now. Um, if they could even Agreed. get like even like an Emeka Okafor, you know, like just someone who I <laughs> someone who I know like if if Embiid misses a couple games or or Muscala is hurt or whatever that you you're not playing Amir Johnson, you know, thirty minutes. There should be an Okafor on this team at all times. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 really. <laughs> What's oh, who's the guy they just I'm sorry, I I totally blanked on this. Who's the guy that they just traded? They got with Jimmy Butler in that trade. I know he's close oh, to uh, Patton. Well, uh yeah. Justin Patton. Is it Justin Patton? Yeah, yeah. I liked him in in college. I mean he's broken his foot two times, which uh, maybe right. means that he'll be MVP in two seasons. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Right. We can only hope. Um, do you think, I mean, I don't know when he's scheduled to come back. It's I think weird he, because, they were talking about him. Well, it was weird because it seemed like he was going to miss the whole year, but then he, uh, it seems to be more active recently and it almost seemed like the implication was maybe he'll be back before that. I don't know what kind of use they would have for him. I mean, he's played like a handful of NBA games at this point cause he got hurt so early last year. And I don't know if they would like lean on him more than they'd lean on Johnson or Muscala, but he'd be nice. If, I mean, they don't have his option for next year. It was like part of why he was a throw mm. in the trade because they declined similar to like Furcon Corkmans. Right. They, they declined mm-hmm. his option already, but if they could like see where he's at and bring him back, you know, on a unguaranteed deal or something and just see what he has next season, that'd be nice. I, I like him as a player. Yeah, totally. I'm really curious about what he could become. Let's hope he gets back and gets healthy. And I mean, obviously they're not going to rely on him for any kind of useful minutes this season, but maybe, maybe he comes back. If there's one guy on this team, on this roster that you don't want to see traded in some sort of package, who would it be? Who would be that guy? Like, you know, one other of the, than the obvious players. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than, other than Embiid or Simmons, who would it be? I'd probably say JJ Redick. Uh, are you talking about only about I, fringe players or rotate fringe like, players? I, I think JJ, I think JJ is safe. I don't think I, he's well, getting traded. Well, the only way JJ would get traded is uh, like you're matching salaries. So if they were able to make a deal for Bradley Beal or something, uh, yeah, I would just hate to see JJ go because I think he brings so much value for the money he's paid. And I also really want him back like on a, on a smaller deal, uh, mm-hmm. pri- uh ideally, but I, th- I would say that probably Landry Shamit is the, my fringe untouchable right now yeah same i'm with you i like i i don't know what zaire smith is i have you know like we all have this idea of what he could be but i don't know if he's ever going to be i hope he's okay i hope he's getting healthy um but we don't know like i think on the offensive end even if zaire was back now he would help you defensively but i think his offense is going to take a long time to come around so i don't know really what he is um if he gets traded you know, it's trading that unknown. It, it hurts a little bit, but I would I would understand it. Shamit, we know that kid has potential to actually be a player in the league. He's he's looked really good for a rookie who no one thought was going to be anything. I know people were up in arms when they picked him at what was it, the twenty sixth pick or something. Yeah, yeah. Was like, everyone was like, it, he was a real reach for, and no, he's been great. He's been really good, yeah. and you know, that's that's really encouraging for me as a Sixers fan to see this. You know, it's always a hit and miss thing. Um, but to see the front office pick him at that spot was really encouraging. Um, do you think they end up do you know making a trade, or do you think that it's just going to be picking up guys off the waiver wire? I, I think they'll definitely pick up off the waiver wire, even if they make a trade. Like I just think they're in a position to do that with the uh, mid level exception they still have. I mean they have enough need and in terms of depth that I think it makes sense. Like I can't see a trade that they would be able to make where they would pick up. Uh, 
three guys, let's say, uh, an, a net of two or three guys who could be in the rotation. Because they have guys on the roster right now who just, um, like, they have guys on the roster right now who I just don't think fill, fill a, a real need. Like, Furkan Korkmaz, um, because they don't have his option next year, like, is a pretty easy guy that if you, uh, I don't know who that buyout candidate is, but there was someone who was bought out at the deadline and you want to go out and get that guy, it would be easy to, to wave for Concord Mods to clear up space, you know, to do that for, for right. the stretch run. Um, but I think I probably put the, the, the likelihood of a trade. I would say I, I would be surprised if they don't make some sort of trade. Um, and, and that could be a second, a couple second round picks, like similar to last year when the Hawks were trying to get a couple second round picks for Bellinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something like that where maybe the Sixers this year are a little more willing, a little less willing to risk it. Like last year, they waited it out. The Hawks cut him anyway, and they got him for nothing. But maybe the Sixers are a team that uh, pushes that a little bit more and, and pays a little bit just to make sure they're the they're the team that gets someone or that uh, a team doesn't hold on to a guy. But I, I so I think they'll they'll do something. I was kind of surprised they didn't jump in on the Kyle Korver uh, market because I thought that was that seemed like an obvious fit. Yeah, except for I'm happy that they didn't because I feel like they would have had to give up too much. And Kyle Korver is great as a shooter, but man, he's what 36 now. I mean, how mm-hmm. much is he really going to help you in the playoffs? And I think that's what they're looking for. So a guy that's that age, um, yeah, he played decent defense, I guess, but he's going to get exposed. And if he's only you're only relying on him for shooting. Yeah, that's what you're bringing him in for. But I just didn't think I, I'm I'm happy that they didn't get Corber. I was I was a little bit worried mm-hmm. about that whole situation. I think they could go a little bit younger and a guy who's a little bit more versatile. I think really they need like wing, you know, defenders really because when you match up against Boston or Toronto, especially in the playoffs, they're gonna they're gonna kill you on the wing if you have guys that can't you know can't run around with them. So, and that's what happened last year. They just didn't have enough wing depth. And I don't think Kyle Korver, while he adds shooting, it's the same basic same thing as Bellinelli. He added shooting, didn't add anything else. And so, I, mm-hmm. I, for me, not having Korver come here, it would have been nice to have him home again, I guess, in a weird way. But um, I'm not sad that they didn't get him. I think there's other guys that are going to be available. I couldn't tell you who off the top of my head. I'd have to go scour the internet for this. But, yeah, I don't – like, they have Jonah Bolden. They could they – could, Put Shake Milton, Zaire Smith, all those guys. And and Furkan Korkmaz, man, he's actually been playing really well as of late. So he might be able to get you something. Although if he's still playing this well, if he's playing this well by the end of the season or better, um, it's going to make them look silly that they didn't they didn't sign him for that extension. But but they didn't know, you know, like it's 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 sort of a hit and miss thing. Like how do you know, how do you, if all you've seen of the guy was that one summer league game, which I was there for, by the way, where he put up 40 something points or was it just 40 points? Um, you know, and, and he hasn't done anything in the league. Uh, you're not going to sign him. And he was, he was very unhappy um, and was public about it. So I understand them not signing it. You know, the best thing would be for him to play his ass off and get a contract somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really fault them for not picking up his option. Like, I think we'd be kicking them more if they picked up his option. Uh, none of this had happened. Like, he just continued to waste away at the, on the bench. And then you go in and out, which is, I think, the way more likely scenario. You know, you look at, like, right. what they knew at the time. The way more likely scenario is you pick up his option. None of this happens. And it's not like he's been incredible or anything, like, to the point where you're, you're right. really uh, hurting yourself by, by not bringing him back. But... Uh, or, or not having the option to, to just bring him back cheaply. But the way more likely thing is all that happens, 
you get an index summary and you need that 1.8 or 2.1 or whatever million dollars and now you have to give up a second round pick to dump him to sign some free agent like that that's i'm sure what they were thinking and that to me is the way more likely scenario so i i'm okay with it I mean, they probably made yeah. the right move at the time I absolutely agree. And by the way, the, the odds of him playing well enough that you're going to wish that you really had signed him and you couldn't find another player that's similar, at least enough, that you could just bring and put it on the roster, I think it's pretty slim. I mean, he's, he's, you're right. He's not playing out of his mind. He's playing well. He's playing well. He's playing better than I ever thought he would. I, I haven't been a big Corkmaz guy, but, you know, good for him and good for the team if he keeps playing this way. Um, do you have any more time you want to touch on anything else, or is this just going to be a Sixers podcast tonight? I don't know. You want to just make this a Sixers podcast? That's usually yeah. Uh, that's fine. I feel like that's usually it, what happens. We have all these <laughs> ideas about uh, other things we'll talk about, and I feel like that's every every time I go on any kind of podcast. It's I Sixers mean, always have a lot of stuff going on. There's always a lot of weird stuff to talk about, um, and the team's really interesting. It's worth worthy of its own podcast. That's what I was going to say. Credit to the Sixers, whether they mean to do it or not. But they are always one of the most interesting teams in the league. Um, all right, Maxwell, then why don't you plug your stuff and I'll let you go. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, again, you can find me uh, at Max on Twitter. Um, and you can also find my podcast. It's the Step Over podcast on the Liberty Ballers feed. Um that's on like iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, all those things. Uh, you can find that podcast on Twitter at the underscore stepover, and that's also where we sell t-shirts. Nice. Do you write anywhere anymore? I know you were writing for Liberty Ball. I, I do a little bit of writing uh, sometimes for like Complex and Bleacher Report, but uh, I've kind of gotten out of the game uh, and uh, now have a, a real job uh, in addition <laughs> to doing a little bit of sports stuff on the side. It's funny how life just gets in the way every time you're having yeah. fun. Yeah. Anyway, Max, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to pause this quick. Max Rappaport, everyone. Go check him out. And that's going to do it for me for this week. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.